Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Six seconds to go. Comes in the Tucker. Ewing sets a screen. The shot is off. Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket comes. Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of Stricken Roll. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, in this episode 45. I'm joined on a, uh, a glorious Wednesday morning here, uh, but I'm joined by John Jablanca. He is a content creator that tweets a lot about the Miami Heat. Uh, he is also joining us from the UK. John, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Uh, thank you for having me on. Yeah, it's uh, you know you're you're behind enemy lines here, uh, so we'll have to see how it goes. You have to play. You have to really tread carefully here. Um, but before we get started, I do have to make a few announcements. The first being that the Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. That is at the Strickland. Posting all kinds of new content on there. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel. If you're watching this podcast on there, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. That'd be a huge help to us. The Strickland also has. A Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Bob Strickland. This podcast that I host every Friday with Prez, you also get access to the Strickland Mailbag, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. The Doug Bag, alongside Dallas Miko. That comes out every week. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll. This solo podcast right here, where I rant and rave about the next even more, you also get access to Wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda. And now you also get access to Strictly NFL, hosted by Constantine and Jeffrey Rasmussen, where they dive into Jets, Giants, and broad NFL topics. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those go with a variety of additional benefits, like listening on pod recordings and merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not, and it's be possible without you. And none of this would be possible without Bet Online, which is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and match reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, B L E A V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Um, <clears throat> all right. So, John, you are. Uh, a heat fan I, I i take it and um i guess look they obviously make a the most annoying possible finals run ever uh for me anyway uh for you obviously much less annoying but i i guess so first my question would be did you feel like look the season ends however it ends you get smacked in the first playoff game by the hawks then you had this kind of inspired comeback in the second playing game against Chicago. Did you have any confidence that they, that this that the early, I guess that Miami Heat team, the 2022-2023 Heat team had a finals run in them? Did they like that they had that level in them or were you as taken aback by the kind of sudden rise metamorphosis of the team, I guess you could say, um, as everybody else was? I was surprised by the fact that they managed to flip the switch, but at the same time, I have a receipt for this because I also um, was talking about this on Twitter. Um, 
my whole ceiling for the heat was Jimmy has to be Jordan. He has to be uh, the kind of player we saw him last year when he just carried the heat with no offensive help. And people and everyone else needs to shoot from like 45% from three. And that's exactly what happened. Jimmy had one of the greatest series against the Bucks, um, plus the 45% from three didn't also helped. Um, the Knicks, that was a good, just, that was a good bracket. Uh, they didn't have to face someone else. Um, I think they, I thought they were just matched up well with them. And then the same thing happened with the Celtics. They just, everyone else stepped up and shot three. But throughout the year, I didn't, the only, I didn't think the Heat were that elite of a team where they had so much room for error. The only room for error was Jimmy had to play great and everyone else had to shoot well. That was the only way they could actually win. Yeah, um, that was for sure the case. And then, I mean, the the thing that was weird, though, is, so, like, I think the Heat, the year before, what were they, second or third in three-point percentage? They were a good shooting team. Yeah, they were the best team. Yeah, and then this past year, I think they were, like, 29th or something. They were really bad throughout the regular season. And it's odd because, I mean, I know they, I mean, the Heat always have, like, seven billion injuries that they're dealing with throughout the season. Um, But, like, the personnel in most part was, was very similar. Um, I think the only major loss, right. was PJ Tucker who like, sure. He shoots a nice percentage. He also takes like two and a half threes per game. You know, it, it doesn't really move the needle that much. Is there, do you think that was just like variance or was there something going on? Um, that kind of saw such a huge swing from year to year. I just, yeah, I think it was more variance, but not to that extent. I don't think that, a um, I don't even think they're either the best team or the worst team in basketball. I think they're just somewhere in the middle. Um, last year was a probably anomaly for most black truce. I don't think he's a 45% shooter. I don't think Gabe was a, that kind of shooter as well. Um, but I also don't think they're bottom of the league either. Um, Hero, Kyle and Duncan Robinson, they were, they're the elite shooters. They had a down year. Duncan probably, Duncan almost didn't play much of the season. So I think that played a part in their stating. Um, but then, in the playoffs, they just went back to their usual optimistic kind of stuff, like side of the frequent percentage. Yeah. Um, and so my question then is this, and like, this is something that I don't really have, like, I mean, you can think about it different ways. I don't think any viewpoint is necessarily wrong. Um, so you make this finals run, we can talk about the various individual series at some point too, but, um, Okay, they, they go to the finals. I think they were pretty handily beaten by the Nuggets, which is fine. The Nuggets pretty much handily defeated everybody. Um, and I guess my question is, like, do you feel like this finals run in certain ways? Actually, I think internally it seems like the team has taken a very we're not going to get carried away trying to keep all these pieces viewpoint and i'm sure some of that is influenced by like sure they want to trade for dame but uh do you feel like there are fans now that are just like too they're they're almost it sounds so crazy to say this but like taking too much from this finals run versus um kind of the struggles that you endured over the full 82 game regular season or is it kind of the other way where you think no the 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 playoffs were the actual true reflection of this team and um we should 
value a lot of the players higher than maybe generally is kind of the consensus view. I'd lean more towards uh, uh, they need more changes. I don't think this was a... Um, I think that the way they went to the finals is part of the biggest issue they keep having since 2020, where they don't have a reliable second option on offense. Um, they don't have that Goran Dragic that played in the bubble, where he was pretty good. The only reason they are able to get to the finals this year is because of the three-point shooting. And I don't think relying on a a three-point variant is a good way to build your t- team around. It's literally it's Jimmy be Jimmy, Bam play best defense, and then please shoot 45%. Um, like they could do this the same thing with the team, but that's just asking for a lot of luck. And um, I don't think, like, even with the final run, they have the same exact weaknesses as they had the whole year round the offense. They couldn't, like, beat... Um, once once Jimmy went to the bench, everyone the offense just fell off. Uh, that happened in the finals as well. Um, obviously, injuries played a part because we the Heat played without Hero, and I don't even though I don't think he's that level of creator. That's that's still missing a a really good guy. Um, like, even if his twenty points per game is not efficient, that's still missing that kind of player. Um, so I think it's kind of in the middle going forward. Um, but I don't think they can run it back and just say we've made a, play, a final run. Let's just do it again. But I also don't think they need that many changes to go, um, get over the hump. So you, I mean, like you just said, you just you say that you don't think they need that many changes. Um, well, it's interesting because it feels like I mean, look, they've uh, whatever you want to say about them, and I think. I think they're both pretty solid players, maybe not starters on every single team, but like they were definitely worthy of being starters in the Heat. Uh, but the Heat, obviously, they lose Max Struess in free agency to the Cavs, and then they lose Gabe Vincent to the Lakers. Um, like, I don't think it's so weird where it's like, I don't think losing any of these players is crippling, especially given Miami's track record of just like devil conjuring rotation players out of nowhere. Um, but like, they're, I mean, these guys have, they started a lot of playoff games over the last couple of years for Miami, their experience. And I think they showed that if nothing else, like neither of those guys is ever awed by the moment. I, I think they're very capable of playing in big spots. And, um, you know, I, I guess like my question is, let's forget the Dame piece of it. Let's just say that the, the Dame trade doesn't happen. So this is the roster going into the season. Um, I think like there's there's two parts of this where it's like Miami rightfully gets a lot of credit for finding talent, developing talent in places that other teams just haven't or are not capable of or, or never do. And I think a lot of that is down to Spolstra, who I think is just, I mean, I think he's by far the best coach in the league. And um, so I think they get they rightfully get credit for that. I also think it's like a little bit dangerous to just assume they can replace those guys because like we've also seen in the past when they've lost some pieces or, or they've like, they're not always like, I know this run since they got Jimmy has been really, really successful. You know, they have two finals appearances and a conference finals appearance as well, where they easily could have won that series. Um, and then they lose in the first round one year to the champion Miami bucks that year. Like, 
I think there's a danger of assuming that, well, we can just replace Cruz, we can just replace Vincent. And I'm not sure, I'm not, I think a lot of the reason for Miami letting those guys walk is about finances um, and not stretching your cap too much, which is a mistake they made uh, when they brought everybody back after that weird 41 and 41 season they had. Um, so do you think, like, let's just say this is a team going into the season, would you say that you're less optimistic about their ability to be a competitive team in the East? Or do you feel like as good as Struis and Vincent were for the, for the heat at times, especially over the last two years in the playoffs that you just trust them or you feel like maybe there's guys in the roster and right now that you feel like, yeah, no, this guy will step up and fill that slot. I would say I feel more about that. I can replace them. I think Josh Richardson was a great pickup. Um, and he would, I think he would do much better than what Struis did. Uh, but even so, even though I think they could replace them, I still think that they're in the same position as they were in last year. Um, I think the ceiling remains the same. Um, the weaknesses are still the same thing. And I think the defense would be a bit worse, though. Um, Kevin Love's a, bit a year older. Kyle Lowry's a year older. Um, so I think they would figure out on offense, just trust Jimmy, trust the shooting. It would just be the defense that I can't... Um, that will be a bit more question mark. Yeah. Um, the defense, I mean, and I think with Lowry too, like, I mean, we even saw last year, he was really good in the playoffs, but he basically did nothing for most of the regular season. Um, and I mean, some of that's injury and like, I know he was injured and he's managing stuff. He's older. What is he? 38 now. So you're trying to be careful with him and save him. I think for those bigger moments. Um, mm. But like, like if he's not available for as much as you'd want him to be, obviously that's a struggle through the 82 games. And then Kevin Love, you know, he's never been a particularly great defender, but yeah, he's older now, so it's just going to be more glaring. And like there were quite a negative to, um, with the net rating with Kevin Love in the playoffs. Mm. The only series they did well is against the New York uh, team where they had to size up. The shooting was gone for both teams, so they could just afford to have him bang bodies with Mitch Robinson and Hartenstein. But against the Celtics and against the Bucks, they did so much better with Caleb. And uh, I also don't know how much... That we've seen how much that uh, hurt them as well in the end of the series, where Caleb's size didn't really do much against Gordon. So I don't think, I don't think Caleb is a starting level four, but he's better than Love, what Love can provide. But that's the change I think they need to address more. Yeah, I mean, I think the it, it's one of those things where I think there's a difference between like downsizing for a matchup in the playoffs versus Caleb Martin is our four. You know what I mean? I think mm -hmm. there's always a difference that. And actually, like the Knicks are going to be testing something out like that this year because they effectively replaced Obi Toppin in the rotation with Dante DiVincenzo. So you're looking at your backup four effectively being some combination of Josh Hart and uh, RJ Barrett. So. We'll see how that goes. Obviously, that's a little bit different than like what you're dealing with because you know Julius Randle is obviously just a better player than Kevin Love at this point in time, and so like and he's going to play you know 35 minutes a night. So you're talking about 13 minutes a game, whereas it's more variable, right? For Miami, where like Love, I, I know the four spot over the last couple of years has been a kind of like a a position where I think I've seen at least I've seen a lot of Miami fans talk about getting overpowered on the glass, especially during the regular season. And 
and that's just been a weak spot. And I, I mean, I don't watch them enough to have any strong thoughts yeah, about I, it. But. The defensive stuff about the boards, that's completely... People just look at the, um, the Heat being a bottom rebounding team, but they're like the top three, top five defensive rebounding percentage team in each of the seasons, even in the playoffs. I think they even out-rebounded the Bucks. Uh, they did. So I think the defensive rebounding is non-existent. Um, I think that's an issue. Um, they also, the whole uh, four and bam, that's the big um, topic as well. But they, as a huge fan of the Heat, where they want to put Bam at the four and have a normal traditional five with him to solve the defensive rebounding issues. Yeah, I don't, I gotta say, like, I, I think, look, as a Knicks fan, I really, really do not like Bam. Um, like, I just think this, I think the stuff he gets away with in terms of screening has been ridiculous forever. Uh, him and, like, he's, like, in that group of elite getaway with moving screens guys. Um, right. It's, like, him and, you know, like, Draymond and Al Horford and, like, there's a few other guys. But, like, I, I mean, watching them in this playoffs, especially this year, um, I just, I don't really, I would not want him to play a different position. I think he is, like, really good as your defensive anchor, and I think he gives you options that very few other centers give you defensively. And, like, offensively, sure. I think you, you see every year in the playoffs his usage drops a little bit. I think that speaks to some of his limitations as a shot creator. But, like, he's still going to give you the dribble handoff options. He's still going to be a pretty decent facilitator. We've seen them go, like, you know, have bring Bam bring the ball up and just spread the floor and he let him go to work. And, like, he's made that happen a few times. So, like... I think he's just really, really good, and it would almost you're better off looking for a better four than moving Bam to the four. Like that just doesn't make any sense to me at all, to be honest. That's how that's how I feel. I think people are just mistaken. It's they think it's either Caleb, like a Caleb kind of four, or a Brook Lopez kind of five, and put Bam at a four. But I think having a Dorian Smith or a PJ Tucker that could shoot from above the break that's the kind of four you'd probably need. Like, I always said, like, PJ Tucker was the ideal player you want on defense in a heat system. The only issue was he couldn't sh- do anything on offense beyond corner three. Right. So if you had, like, I think Al Horford would be a perfect uh, player next to Bam. A guy that could shoot from everywhere on a free switch, um, also be a playmaking hub. I think that, those are the kind of fours you want to have alongside Bam and to keep him at the fight. Because we've seen... That's exactly what he did against the Knicks, where um, he just switched from Brunson late in their game six, and that took out the whole um, the offense for the Knicks in the fourth. And then you wanted to have him on Robinson, he would do that as well. Yeah, um, that definitely helped. It also helped that we decided to play the worst possible lineup we could throughout that fourth quarter, which was really, really fun. I was very excited. It was a switching out Grimes. Yeah, it was really, defense. really nice to watch Tibbs play RJ and Josh Hart together. Um, despite any and all evidence that that doesn't work. Um, good job. I'm sure Eric Spolstra was very happy about that. Um, no, but to, to go back to this, like, so, okay, so you've got this thing at the four where, like, I think, like, yeah, I don't know the defensive rebounding thing. Even if that was an issue, I just feel like their defense generally has been really good over the last couple of years, and basically for as long as Spolstra's been there. So if even if they were a bad defensive rebounding team, which they're not, 
I would assume that it's ba- like it's because they're making up for it somewhere else, be it you know generating turnovers or whatever it is exactly. Um, but like I think the four itself, there are some issues there. But we have not. I mean, there's look we have, we should just talk about it. Like they've obviously been connected all summer to Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard very famously had uh, he handed the Portland Trailblazers a one team trade request list. Uh, with Miami on it. Forgetting like the, but let's we can get into the cost and all that stuff later. But Damian Lillard to me is like, if you could, aside from Steph Curry, if you could pick one player that would just make perfect sense with like Jimmy and Bam, it would be Dame. And I. I don't really know. I don't know what it would take. It, I think it'll r- literally take whatever Miami can offer to put in the trade, and Portland at some point just being like, "Fine, fuck it, let's just do it." Um, but even if it is everything, I think, I think like if you're Miami, you kind of need to do it because Jimmy's what he's thirty three. Is that right? I think thirty three. Yeah, something. He, he's he's on the older end. And as good as he's been in the playoffs, we also know that he's look. He he plays hard. He's played hard throughout his career. Uh, he's been banged up a lot, and he is banged up a lot. And so, like, it's cool to be like, oh, like Jimmy Jordan. He's going to raise his level in the playoffs and like all this stuff. But we don't know if that's always going to be there. And he's also like at an age where if it goes, mm. it can go like that. And so. I think you almost need to take the shot because if you don't, like, what is your other avenue? Like, I don't know. Like, they're in such a weird situation, too, with their picks, and we know they're never going to tank. So it's like, it, this is what you're kind of, you need to be able to pull the trigger on. And so I wonder, like, I guess just first, in terms of pure fit, like, is Dane just a guy that you're like, yeah, this is, you just go get this dude. Fucking, this is perfect. Yeah, I don't think there's a cost that, unless Bam's in, like, outside of Bam, everything's on the table, and Jimmy, everything's on the table, and I'm, and I'm fine with that cost. Because um, I don't think there's a yeah, better fit than Dame. Um, even, like, considering any available players, um, you'd need a deep three-point bread, and that's obviously Dame and Curry. Uh, you'd want someone that can get to the rim, that's also Dame. Um, Good playmaker with Bam. I don't think Dame ha- ever had like a, a big like Bam. The only big I can think of. No. Yeah, and Nurkic uh, is like, come on, <laughs> it's like not the same. Yeah. Thing. And Lamarcus Aldridge. So I don't know. Also, not a type type Bam type of big. Um, and then with Jimmy as well. Jimmy doesn't have to be on the ball. Um, he's shown like when Garen was still healthy, he dropped his uh, on ball usage down significantly like, compared to this year's. And he just each yeah, year he um, get more efficient. So, yeah, we're saying. So no, sorry, I, I I just you cut out for a second, so I thought yeah. Wow. Um. So yeah, and then yeah, with Jimmy and Dane, um, Jimmy does most of his work from like easy points, uh, whether it's cuts, um, that kind of. He like last year was one of the like better role players as well. Uh, you give him Dane. That someone who he'd never had someone like an offensive talent like this, 
you'll get way more easy points, be even more probably probably be more efficient. And that's just less of a load on Jimmy. You don't want you don't really want Jimmy to be having that kind of usage to have to be Jordan to win games. You don't want that from any player. Yeah, and and I think yeah, there's like look like yeah. Michael Jordan was Michael Jordan. It's not something that you should just expect anybody to be able to do. Um, as far as the cost, like I think I've seen you and I've seen a few other people kind of like laugh at the idea, not like laugh, but like kind of make fun of the idea of like anybody being off the table for Dame as far as Miami is concerned. So like, I think Miami can do, they can do what they can trade, is it three first or two first? It like depends on kind of like timing or something, right? Um, uh, yeah, I think it depends on like the protection with OKC. Whether uh, like in, if they'll have to involve OKC or something, get their picks. I think they could offer. I saw. I think Zach Lowe. They say either three or four picks that they they could offer most. Yeah, I think they have to get OKC to like lift the protection on the pick that they owe them. And then they can unlock a third pick. So it's like, you know, you can do three picks and and Hero and, and all this stuff. Like, I think Hero is the one that's weird to a lot of people because, like, he so he has had, obviously, multiple good seasons. After the bubble, I think he's struggled in the playoffs. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the 2021 was a struggle for everyone. Um 2023, he missed, but yeah, 20, and 2022, he, I think, yeah, he struggled a lot against Atlanta. Yeah. And then, uh, Philadelphia, then got injured, um, for the Celtics one. Right. And so I guess, like, the question is, like, for you, do you think Hero is, like, does he have some potential to be a star? Or do you think, like, hey, like, he's a good player. He's a sixth man of the year player. Like, he, he's a guy who's going to help you get buckets um but ultimately like i guess like what do you see his value as because you know obviously when you see like port like when you see how people react to his name and trades and i'll be completely honest like i like i think he's a good player but it's also like when i see heat fans acting like well no we're giving you tyler hero like that's a great piece to get for dame and i'm like let's let's calm down like especially like a team that has you know they have Scoot, they have Simons, they have Sharp. It's like, what are they doing with Tyler Hero right now? Um, you know, I, I guess just like more or less, where do you fall on Hero? Because he's like definitely one of the more divisive players around the league in terms of like, there are people that really like, you know, the, the shot creation and, and all the, like the pull-up shooting and all that stuff that he gives you. But then there are other people that are like, well, look, like he's not really getting to the rim. He's not, he's not quite a primary ball handler and he's, is the defensive weakness like where do you just kind of fall on what he is and do you think he's a guy that you know what he is isn't necessarily what he's going to be in a few years and and maybe people are selling his upside short i'm not exactly sure on the potential um i don't think i'm good at evaluating like what's needed um like him like his you said his issue getting to the rim that's the main issue but i don't know if that's something he just can easily train or if that's just his athleticism not allowing him to do that. So I don't know what the potential is. Like, if we're just talking right now or like next year, I think he's a really good, depending on what team he is on. Like, if he's on a 
good team that wants to contend. I think his best option is a third level guy. Um, he would need, like, if we had a Goran Tragic on this team, he would be perfect for them. He would be a secondary ball handler. He's a, a elite three point shooter. I think I've tweeted that a couple of times where, um, over like the last few years, it's only him, Curry, Clay, uh, I think some, some other names that have like better grades than all three point shooting. So he's an elite three-point shooter. He's a great off-ball guy. Um, plus, he does give you that additional ball handling if needed in small bursts. Uh, so that's where he can help like contending teams. Um, but if he's on Portland, I also think that's good. Um, I think he made good leaps as a passer um, over the years. Um, I don't even know like his scoring in isolation or getting to the rim will affect his ceiling. But he, that's just still good. Like an option to have on your team, especially if you have Scoot that can get to rim. Um, then he could switch, like he could play off or he could be the knockdown shooter that Scoot would need. But he's also capable of just handling the ball. And for a team like Portland or any other like tanking team, your job is not to win. So that would be good enough reps to get him, um, which I think can get better. Like his PNR usage has been increasing each year, and I think there's been improvements significantly. Um, there's still some shot selection issues. Um, this year he had like the best month of his career in January, where he uh, one of the most efficient seasons, had one of the most um, high like scoring season months as well. But then he just reverted back to long mid range pull ups. Um, he just I think most of that was um, injuries as well. So overall, like going forward, I think he's just a good. He's a good player if you want. Um, if you're a young team, because he has the potential. That's um, he has a good potential to be a good second, third option. So if you have like a talent like Scoot to be the number one, then I don't see why you wouldn't want to have that. Guy. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.